Howdy, folks. It's Tuesday, May 9th. I'm Jacob Cohen here with Hustle writer Rob Litterst, and this is The Hustle Daily Show. Later in today's episode, remember when counting steps with partial accuracy was the coolest thing a smartwatch or health tracker could do? Well, the tech inside these tiny boxes has come a long way since then, and it seems like we may finally be at a point where the tech and data may actually be useful enough to be useful. So we're going to discuss what that means. Before we get into that, as always, here are a few things you should know. Let's get crackalacking. Rob, how we doing? Doing good, JC. How are you doing? I'm doing fine myself. It's supposed to be 84 in Boston later this week. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) We're doing well. (laughs) That is hot for Boston. Yes, it is. (laughs) When I lived in Texas, 84 was like nice and and cool weather. In Boston, that is not the case. Right. And I have no AC in my apartment (laughs) yet. (laughs) Got to get on that. Yeah. So what are you following? Okay. So the first thing, I don't know if you've heard of Dirt. Dirt. Dirt is a Substack newsletter. So it's obviously free to subscribe to if you want to. They write about pretty much everything that's going on in entertainment on the internet. So anything that's popping up on the web, streaming apps, Mm -hmm. social media. But the cool thing about Dirt is if you want to get really, really into it, you can buy Dirt NFTs. Dirt just raised $1.2 million in seed funding from a variety of sources. But up until that seed funding, the newsletter was exclusively funded through NFTs. Hmm. So super fans basically could buy the dirt NFTs, which, you know, cost a certain amount of Ethereum. And that is essentially how dirt was funding itself. People that buy the NFTs, I believe, get access to a decentralized autonomous organization called Dirt DAO, which essentially gives them some control over the editorial direction of the newsletter. It's pretty cool. So dirt is basically doing what I think a lot of companies have kind of said they could do with Web3 and NFTs and crypto, but they're kind of the furthest along, I think, in the media space. They're really kind of showing what Web3 can do and can be. And I'm not totally sure how well it's going, but I would imagine by this funding announcement, it's going pretty well so far. What have you been up to? What have you been watching, JC? Well, I was watching the Kentucky Derby. I don't know if you saw it. It was pretty uh, entertaining. The Derby is interesting because it's one of the few days each year when I feel like millions of people somehow become experts in horse racing Uh overnight, (laughs) despite having never ridden a horse. (laughs) Right. I see people popping up in my timeline that are like all about the odds of certain horses. I'm like, okay, I didn't know (laughs) you knew anything about equestrians until today. So I'm not listening to a word that you say. They're analyzing the horse's form. It's Right. (laughs) Right. Where was this two months ago? Exactly. In all serious though. The Derby was crazy. You had this horse, Rich Strike, miraculously win against 80 to 1 odds. 80 to 1 odds? Oh my goodness. Oh, and it was like, even if you don't know horse racing, you could tell on the video how incredible it was, the comeback, all the way from behind. Very entertaining. But I was doing some reading up on the Derby, and I found it interesting. It, It really spurs a humongous amount of economic activity. Regionally, it's expected this year to bring in $366.8 million. Wow. According to the Louisville Tourism Board. The horse itself that wins bags $1.86 million. Which wow. I just thought was a little funny because the horse, Rich Strike, uh-huh. 
who, by the way, was purchased for $30,000 last fall. So very good return oh, on investment. Oh, my goodness. Nice ROI on Rich that. Strike yeah. literally struck riches. So I thought that was nice. I see what you did there. I like that. <laughs> you see what I did. Exactly. I was kind of just interested in looking into what's next for horse racing. I saw this interesting interview uh, with the head of Churchill Downs, which is the organization that owns the Kentucky Derby. And he basically was explaining that the company's going to shift its focus on international growth. Okay. He said Japan, for instance, has a horse racing industry that's three times the size as America's, which is fascinating to me. I had no idea that was a thing. I also wouldn't be surprised if horse racing saw just a massive boom in U.S. popularity buoyed by like a hit reality docuseries. Oh, yeah. Get the jockeys on a docuseries. Exactly. No doubt. Like exactly what has happened with Formula One in the last couple of years. So yeah. Talk about another thing that's just gone crazy on your timeline. I had no idea that so mm-hmm. many of my friends were Formula One fans until... Yeah, because they weren't. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I could definitely see that. It's really funny. Like American sports, I feel like it's very, very hard to break in and become like a legitimate sport to the extent that you know, the main four are football, basketball, hockey, and baseball. Yep. Like I've heard people talking about how lacrosse is going to be the next one for a really long time. I know that hasn't really happened, but some of these niche sports, like you said, Formula One, I mean, NASCAR is freaking huge. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to a NASCAR race. No. I've been to a couple and they're absolutely insane. I feel like the fans are too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) True story here. There is one time I went to a NASCAR race with my uncle and a guy who was sitting in front of us was just crushing beers like he probably drank i want to say like 18 bud lights in a couple hours <laughs> my uncle and i are just marveling at this guy and finally my <laughs> uncle asks him he's like how have you been able to drink that many beers without going to the bathroom like it's insane <laughs> and the guy was like man are you kidding me i'm wearing a diaper <laughs> <laughs> and you slowly like shifted away from <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah exactly as soon as you got that answer Anyways, in other news, Instagram this week will let a small group of users display verifiable NFTs on the platform. In January, Twitter actually introduced NFT profile pictures, and Instagram head Adam Osseri said the move could help introduce the technology to a broader range of people, which is true, but it does come at a time when NFT sales have plummeted 92% from their peak in September. So we'll see how that develops. Also, Google's annual developer conference is taking place tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern. A lot of people think the company is going to announce its first smartwatch. Why do they think that? Well, there have been spec leaks, design leaks, a U.S. trademark filing with the Pixel Watch name leak. And apparently a prototype of the watch was found left in a restaurant, which is just a little awkward. But on the topic, with that, I think it's time to discuss smartwatches, health trackers, all that good stuff, of which I believe you are an avid user. Is that correct, Robert? That is correct. Definitely to an extent. So okay. I, um, I never owned a Fitbit. But I have bought some more kind of niche wearables, which I'll get to here in a little bit. The reason we're talking about wearables Mm -hmm. is The Economist wrote this awesome kind of missive on the state of wearables Mm -hmm. and how they'll play a role in the healthcare system going forward. And they laid out three really big reasons that wearables could kind of take modern healthcare to the next level. The first one 
is early diagnosis, right? So we're going well beyond step counting here, JC. So we're not just looking at, you know, hitting 10,000 a day. So there are some examples of this already happening. Aura rings allow women to predict their menstrual cycles, which has helped some women conceive um, when they're trying to get pregnant. Whoop has the ability to detect COVID-19 early using respiratory rate data. This actually happened to me. I was able to see that I was kind of early onset getting COVID because I could tell from my respiratory rate along with some of the other symptoms that I had. Interesting. But in the future, this could include a much wider spectrum of kind of psychological and physical diagnosis. So it's going to be really interesting to see where that goes. And obviously, I mean, if wearables are kind of showing signs of early heart defects and stuff like that, people are going to get way more serious about wearables. And I mean, that that's like when it can become like serious, massive business yeah. and really help people, which would be awesome. Do you remember Pebble? Mm-hmm. For those listening, I feel like it was the first smartwatch that kind of came out. Yeah, it, was, it had like a real cool kind of minimalist vibe. Yeah, they launched on mm-hmm. Kickstarter, which is a crowdfunding platform, but they raised over $10 million on Kickstarter for their first watch. After people saw how popular this idea was and the potential for it, and all the other innovators, big companies, other, uh, other people saw what was going on, they kind of started working on their own projects. And very quickly, Pebble which was doing well for a little while. I believe they actually had an offer to be bought out by Citizen Watches for $740 million in 2015. Oh my goodness. They kind of just lost their magic. And I believe they sold to Fitbit for something like $40 million. But but they were cool. And I I do think Pebble kind of sparked a lot of this potential for wearables and the creative space, the fitness space, and especially the health space. Yeah, I think like the holy grail of where wearables could go is kind of the next thing that The Economist laid out, which is personalized treatment. You and I were talking before this about levels, which is an app that essentially pairs with a continuous glucose monitor, which is what a lot of people who have diabetes use to kind of track their blood sugar and allows it to connect and sync with their app. Mm -hmm. And then they have users essentially enter when they eat and what they eat so that they can see how their blood sugar is reacting to different foods. And a lot of their users end up making big time dietary changes. I actually used Levels during its pilot. Mm. It was really surprising. There were a few different foods that spiked my blood sugar that I was not expecting. And I think what it opened my eyes to is that everybody is really very different and everybody has different metabolisms and everybody has different gut health and all sorts of things that can and really kind of change the way that certain foods work for them. Yeah. And so that's one thing like levels has had a huge impact, I think, on a lot of users in helping them keep their blood sugar lower. But in the future, this same sort of concept can apply to a wide range of things beyond just food. Right. For most prescriptions or most medications, they won't work for 30 to 50% of people. And so when you think about that, and then you think about like being able to personalize treatment, the idea is like you can find the perfect medication and the perfect dosage for the perfect person. And all of a sudden, like you can solve their health problems much more easily. It's going to be interesting to see where it goes. All right, bada bing, bada boom. That is it, folks. For more on The Hustle's tech and business coverage and links to all kinds of cool stuff from around the web, check out our newsletter at thehustle.co. Thanks to our editor, Robert Hartwig, and executive producer, Darren Clark. I'm Jacob Cohen here with Rob Litter. So you've been listening to The Hustle Daily Show brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. See you tomorrow.